We can dress all day long with our mustaches and with our beard wax and have our sports jackets and our bow ties and really look the part that we're men. But it's right here. If we cannot conquer our pocketbooks and our pockets, and if we cannot overcome fear, we are not real men. We are living on the power of the world and we have bought into it and we are enslaved to it. And as long as you are enslaved to the power of the world, you are not powerful for God. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We're blessed that you have decided to join us for this uh, brief period of time. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, please hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast player or YouTube channel that you are following us on. We'd love to get this to you each and every week. If you've listened to us multiple times, you enjoy what we're doing, we'd love it if you wrote us a review on your player of choice. That helps the algorithm get it. Um, this episode to more men. So thank you so very much. We are your hosts. I'm John Heinen. We've got Sam Guzman and we've got Devin Shod. And if this is your first time listening in the last few weeks, yes, Devin Shod is our uh, new uh, co-host, uh, friend, uh, incredible man of uh, God and a man with deep wisdom to help other men join and uh, and fight in the battle of, of masculinity today. So Devin, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm, I'm recovering. I'm recovering from my illness. Last time yeah. I had a much deeper voice that impressed Sam. So <laughs> we don't get that this week. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if, if those of you who are listening uh, don't know who, what Devin looks like, just imagine like Clint Eastwood, but a lot nicer. I'll take it. I'll take it. And a lot shorter. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So um, if you're looking for a way to support, uh, definitely head over to catholicgentlemanplus.com. We would be blessed to join you there. This episode, and the reason why I bring it up is because this episode uh, in its full length version is going out every single week on the Catholic Gentleman Plus. So we uh, put this, um, it is shorter. It's going to be what, 45, 50 minutes, but there's a longer version, uh, more like an hour and a half that comes out every single week inside of Catholic Gentleman Plus. So if you like what you're hearing, you want to go deeper, definitely head over to Catholic Gentleman Plus. In addition to this episode, you're supporting the Catholic Gentleman. You sign up for an annual subscription, you're going to get our Saint Quote book, which is broken up in categories. And we also have tons of sessions coming out every month with different guest series um, dialoguing about certain spiritual themes and topics as they relate to men. So, so today, wanted to talk about winning the lottery and what that would do for your life, right? And I think that this is a fun topic because if you if you live in Texas, I live in Texas, or really anywhere, you see those huge Powerball signs, you see those mega million signs, right? And I'm a marketing, um, uh, I guess, uh, expert. That's my profession. And I think there's nothing more, uh, or there's nothing closer to uh, a win than really touching on someone's uh, avarice or greed. And you just put up $141 million or at recently... Uh, we've seen the Powerball and the Mega Million, according to those signs, get over a billion dollars uh, twice, I think, in the last month. And so I had to look. And sure enough, in America, 181 million individuals purchase one of these two lottery tickets every year. That's 57% of Americans. And when you take into account that I, you know, there's a huge amount, 70 some million that are under 18 that can't even purchase them. That is a lot of adults that are looking for uh, this 
uh, in their lives, right? Looking for more money, looking for more possessions. And I'll be, I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't say that those temptations don't affect me as well. When I see 141 million, your mind just immediately starts daydreaming to what you would do with that money. But basically, what I have come to realize, right, is is what all the spiritual fathers have is that you know more money is we equate to just more things and more possessions and therefore, you know, a certain degree of happiness or a certain degree of peace, um, that security that comes along with it. And so I wanted to dialogue about that today and I wanted to turn it over to you, Sam. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on right out the gate of why today do you feel that um, greed is, is so prevalent and something that we men need to be aware of? Yes, well, I, I I do think uh, a lot of it goes back to marketing. So uh, good job, John. Uh, you are <laughs> affecting society in a big way. No, <laughs> I am not marketing lottery <laughs> tickets. Just <laughs> worth clear. No, you do good kind of marketing. But yeah. but all that to say, like there are massive corporations. I mean, you look at just like one, like Apple, like trillion dollar corporation, you know, like just just massive company. Like we can't even wrap our heads around how much money these companies make. And there's there's hundreds of them, thousands of them, and they're and they're employing incredibly intelligent people who specialize in psychology and human behavior, and they have incredibly powerful means in these devices that we carry in our pockets, uh, social media applications, things like that, where they can reach like almost into your mind and program your desires and they do it incredibly well. And so you say, well, I want that new phone. Yeah. Okay. But where did that desire come from before you wanted it, before you were consciously aware of that desire, advertisers and marketers had been implanting these desires in your unconscious mind, sometimes months, even years in advance. And they work on you until all of a sudden these desires bubble to the surface. So I, well, I think it's important to acknowledge that, yes, greed is a huge problem in our society today. But, you know, and that can be a very voluntary thing. Like people can give in to this desire and feed it and, and stoke the flames, if you will. But also to be aware that there are massive forces at work culturally and socially that are working on our, our, our unconscious minds and hearts day in and day out. I mean, literally almost anywhere you turn, you get a magazine, every other page is an advertisement. Um, you know, you stop at a gas pump and right there, they've got advertisements above the pump, you know, and like you drive down the road, a beautiful scenic highway, and there's like billboards everywhere obstructing your view. And so I just, we may not even be conscious of it most of the time. We're not aware that this is happening, but it is. So I think that's a huge part. And the other thing I'll just mention real quick is don't underestimate the power of celebrities and the images that they project. They are the kind of like little gods in our society that that tell us like we are happy, we are we are we have everything. We <laughs> you want to be like me, um, and that can be really powerful, especially when you look at some of these celebrities have like 10 million Instagram followers, you know, or you know some of them have been more than that. I think some of them have like 100 million or things like that, just astronomical numbers. And with every image that they post, they're, again, telling you, like, this is what your life should look like. And all these people go out and buy the same clothes and the same shoes. And then it's like, and as Catholics, it can be easy to say, like, well, we're we're immune to that. We don't care what these people are doing. 
Um, and yet I think these things, these forces are at work on our soul all the time, all the time. We're just swimming in this sea of, of influence um, that's trying to capture our attention and affect our desires. And all of these desires that they're implanting in us, I just want to emphasize, are competing against the kingdom of God, you know, yeah. and and so just know that it's not always neutral um, and we need to be aware of what's happening so that we can respond uh, accordingly, you know, according to higher values. But anyway, I that's... I think that that's one really important thing to talk about. And I, so it's actually called persuasion in marketing terms, just so you guys know what we're talking about here. And and you can do a quick little thought experiment. A friend of mine, uh, a better marketer than myself, and actually working for the pro-life movement, uh, an incredible man, he basically said, you know, close your eyes and think of a pickup truck. You want to buy a pickup truck. Which pickup truck, if you had to make that decision right now, would you go get? And generally speaking, you can come up with one. Is it built Ford Tough? Is it, you know, the Chevy Silverado? Um, which one is it? And the thing is, is the point, the point being that because you can already decide one, it's because that that influence has been basically building up in your brain um, for years and years and years. And then when that moment occurs to you or that that ability happens to you, you kind of already know which one you you want. And even if you haven't test driven, driven them. And so that is really important. And I do think that that is one big thing of, of our modern minds. I was listening to Father Mark Mary of the CFRs not too long ago, and he was talking about recommending not even going window shopping uh, today because that uh, they all know what they're doing. They all know how they make their phones, how they make their toys, how they make their clothes, et cetera, look overwhelmingly appealing to you, whether you need them or not. And we frankly just fall prey or victim to uh, this sort of... Um, uh, this sort of psychological manipulation that is put upon us. And I will just add that I brought my little daughter um, in her beauty to a daddy-daughter date not too long ago and made the mistake of going window shopping with her. And it didn't matter how great that hour and a half was. The fact that I wasn't buying her anything turned the emotional clock in the wrong direction. And, and so I was like, learned experience. She is eight years old, and this was not a good idea. We're going bike riding next time. So anyways, so Devin, I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on other things with this or other things within the American mindset that make uh, this desire for more money all the more appealing. Yeah. I, what is the fascination with money? I think people long for money because they know that money is going to give them power. So it gives me the power to buy what I want. It gives me the power to have what I want. It even gives me the power to influence people or to get people to supposedly like me. So I know very several wealthy people, and it's amazing how people hover around them or are grabbing onto them, socially speaking, hoping that they'll just receive a handout. They'll receive something. So money truly at the end of the day is all about power. Now, why is this, I guess, adverse to us? What we're looking for is we're looking to be real men, men who have character, men who have moral character. So there's a, there's a dichotomy here, or there's an opposition. The world says, the devil through the world says, you want power, you need money. Win the lottery or just 
basically be dependent on the government, welfare. These are the two extremes. Win the lottery, you have all the power without God. Welfare, you have no God, but you have a government that takes care of you. And both are absent of self-will where you're participating in something. Now, here's the key. Why is this so evil? Because when we're looking to worldly power, which is rooted in money, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice of acquiring real power, which in the Latin and the Greek is virtus, which is virtue. So virtue is an operating habit or a habit operating toward an end, toward a good end, right? So we cultivate that virtue to learn how to be a man. So this is the tension. The more we learn, lean toward wanting money and more, the less we will be because we will be appealing to a power that we think is going to give us worldly power. Meanwhile, we're giving up the pursuit for real power, which is virtue, which actually comes through the hard work of working, of actually not having enough money sometimes and figuring out how to make ends meet, how to get by, how to be creative, et cetera, persevere, perseverance, patience, all those things, which we will probably talk about. But really, this is the fundamental battle. Yeah. And thank you. Because that's when I was reflecting on this, I was actually wondering where this fits in with um, the temptations of the the flesh, right? The lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. And pride of life is that of power, right? And I found it kind of like both end, right? We've got this, and I haven't read anything about this, but I was just reflecting on this, that we've got this, you know, lust of the flesh, which is our carnal desires that, you know, in satiation, need to be satiated and met uh, to a degree moderately uh, so that we're not um, falling into sin. But then we also have the uh, lust of the eyes, right? Which is that desire for possession, that desire for more. And that actually does play into this. But I think you hit the nail on the head there, Devin, is that it's really that pride of life because uh, greed tempts us in two ways, right? Uh, that I'm maybe three ways. I'm going to say two ways. And in these two ways that greed tempts us, the first is, is that security, right? Is that, um, that, um, we, there's an unknown in our future, and we are secure when we have enough money. Inflation, which is just hitting all of us and our grocery bills are going through the roof, et cetera, that is a very real problem and a very real trial that we are experiencing today. But if we had enough money, then it, it wouldn't be a struggle. It wouldn't be a difficulty. If we had enough money, those sort of things wouldn't affect us as they do. But then the second one that, that you're talking about is that the trickiness about the temptation of greed is that it's kind of an umbrella over every single thing that money could purchase, right? So that possibility that could gain us status, that could gain us power, that we could have a better home, more cars, whatever the case might be. And we live in an American society that frankly pushes this. And I think that that's one of the, the bedrocks of our society, as, as we're getting to here, is that basically financial aggressive pursuit is to be rewarded um, as a lofty goal in life. That being said, is if you're not climbing the social ladder, if you're not um, keeping up with the Joneses, if you're not flexing through your possessions, then you're kind of a fool, you know? But then we look to St. Paul, who says in Philippians that all earthly possessions that he had, he considered a loss, right? Mm. Um, rubbish. Verse, exact, rubbish, exactly, versus a gain. And, and I feel like that's something, you know, Sam, you did such a great job. We were talking about the marketing side of why this, this temptation of, of avarice is so far upon us. But I also think it's important to talk about that um, our society today is built on success in life is 
what your possessions are, how much money you're making, what your status is. And that's that power, Devin, that you were talking about. I think it is important to highlight what you talk about, what you're talking about, John, in the sense that the desire to win the lottery doesn't always come from, from greed. It can, but it also can come from what you're talking about, which is like a freedom from anxiety, a freedom mm. from worry about money. Because let's face it, like you said, like the economy is is out of control. Uh, you know, groceries are through the roof, just basic staples. You know, we've we've added a few things to our Amazon cart sometimes where it's like, oh, just it's just something simple. It's like, you know, 20 bucks or whatever. You know, surely it won't add up that much. And then you look at the total in the cart and it's like three hundred dollars <laughs> or something, or you or you go to yeah, you place a, a Walmart order or something, and it's just like a loaf of bread, a couple gallons of milk or something. It can't be that much. And it's like, you know, $250 by the time you're done for just a few basic staples. And like the economy we're living in is so unjust and so stacked against families, especially single income families. There you go. That there's a lot of stress and worry. Um, if you're a single income family in the modern world, you have, you know, multiple children, uh, as we all do, you know, that it, it's going to place a financial strain on you. You're going to feel that stress. You're going to feel that anxiety. And the, the desire, you know, at least when I felt tempted by it, the desire to win the lottery for me has never really come from like, I want, you know, a massive palace. Yeah, I want like, you know, Lamborghini or something like that. Right. It's really literally come from like, I just want to buy groceries and not freak out about it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's that <laughs> simple. Um, and so I think it's also, yeah, like that letting go of control is very hard for men to live according to Matthew 6, you know, where it's like sufficient for today is is the evils thereof, you know, just like as Jesus admonished us, like trust and trust tomorrow to God your father and you worry about the problems of today. Like that's hard for men. Like we want a plan. We want a strategy. We want, you know, a, a fat 401k. We want, you know, big reserves and savings. And like, if you can do that, more power to you. But you know, for those who may not be able to do that in the time that we want to do that, there is struggle, there is strain, there is worry. And and the lottery feels like this blissful way out or escape from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So whether it's security or success on these two ends of the spectrum, it's causing us to doubt. And I think that that's what the devil is all about. The devil, he begins every temptation with the seed of doubt. And that seed of doubt is, will, if we're not careful, will lead us into discouragement. That mm. discouragement is anti-courage. God wants us to be courageous for the Holy Spirit is no cowardly spirit, as St. Paul tells Timothy. Therefore, what the devil is going to do to try to get us to back off from becoming the men that we're called to be is he's going to instill doubt especially in our finances, especially in providing for our family. So it's insecurity or when we look to others and we see their success and we come up lacking. So these are kind of two ends of the spectrum. So what's going on, I think, really at the fundamental level is it's all about cultivating a relationship. God the Father wants to cultivate a relationship with you, with me. And every relationship is founded on the true, the good, the lasting, every good, true, lasting relationship is founded on trust. 
So the question is, at the end of every day, at the end of every conversation, at the end of every pay period, is do we trust God the Father or not? And this whole life that he's given us is like a clinic or a training program for us to learn how to trust him. And that's the essence of divine sonship. And you cannot be a trustworthy father unless you first become a trusting son. You cannot become a dependable spiritual father if you're not a dependent son. And so we don't pray, give us this year our daily bread or give us this you know, month our daily bread or this biweekly pay period our daily bread. But we pray, give us this day our daily bread because God the Father wants a relationship with us that's based one meal at a time. Mm. And I was thinking about my life a while back and I was thinking, okay, I've lived on, you know, over 50 years now. And let's just say three times a day, God has answered that prayer for 50 years. I, I don't know how many thousands times that is, like 50,000 or something like that. That prayer has been answered every time. So the key is, is that God is through work, through money, especially when we're encountering doubts and, and the devil is assailing us in these matters. He's calling us to exercise trust. He's saying, do you trust me or not? I want you to put your hand in mine and I want you to begin to work as though it all depends on you, but you pray and you trust as though it all depends on me. It's the 100-100 principle, 100% your work, 100% my work. And this is the good news with God. He's a great father because if he sees us being faithful in small responsibilities with money, with finances, and I think a lot of times God gives us very little at the beginning so we can learn to manage a budget, so we can learn not to overspend, so that we can learn to be temperate, so that we can learn not to be greedy. And then as he sees us being responsible with our tithing, responsible with the way we spend, then he starts to give a little more. He gives us greater responsibilities and more and more. And then pretty soon we look back on our life after 30 years and we think, wow, that is amazing where I came from. That is because God has given us greater responsibilities. God doesn't want us to win the lottery, in my opinion, because he doesn't want us where we have a lack of relationship with him, mm. where we're totally secure. But he doesn't want us on welfare either, where we're enslaved to the system and we'll do anything just to get that free check and we won't work ourselves so that we never learn virtue. God wants us in the middle position where we have a relationship with him through work and through money. And I believe that's why he's given us money. Agreed. I, if I could just jump in here, I think that's such a great point because the dangers, um, the dangers of getting um, more wealth, like this, this huge amount of wealth, is that we are tempted to think of what we would do that with that money, even if it's to help other people. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, what you were just saying just really triggered that within me is that we have this, if, at least I do. Right. So if I, if I daydream and I, I pull myself back because I don't believe it is of the Holy Spirit either, when I start thinking about what I'm going to do with $141 million, when the odds of actually winning any sort of lottery are so astronomically ridiculous and just it's fool's game to play. Um, you know, but I do start thinking and then I, I'm like, oh, I would help these people. I would help these people. I would help these people. But would I, I mean, and you have to ask that stuff, right? If I'm not growing in virtue and it's just thrown at me, what makes me think that all of a sudden I'm going to be able to handle this amount of money? And and I'm glad that you talk, started talking about this, Devin, for another reason, because if people dropped off before this, they would say that this episode was just dogging on money, but that's not, that's not it, right? And, yeah. and that money... Uh, in and of itself is, you know, is a temptation. It's it's good. It's something that is is necessary within society. It's of the creator. But what we have today is this other concern is that it has no ceiling. And that's, you know, when when 
when artificial wealth or money that we have today is the only ends or the only goal in them of themselves, there's no ceiling to it. The miser always wants more. He wants to take his $141 million and he wants to invest it at a 10% you know, return year over year or 12% if it's a good year, et cetera, because it's never enough because we have we have lost the point and the purpose of life. We have lost the purpose of our relationships within that. And and just so you guys don't think that this is just us wanting to talk about the fact that we don't have money and we wish we had more money. <laughs> this is this is very, this is, think of the 10 commandments and I wanted to bring that up. Back to Moses, God knew this, right? There are eight exterior commandments and two interior commandments. Those eight exterior commandments are all about thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, et cetera. But the two interior commandments, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife and thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods are both based off of, of, of fighting this natural tendency within us, which is avarice or which is greed, right? It's that desire for possession, that desire for more. Those are the only two interior commandments. And then when we flash forward to uh, scripture, we see in Christ, we see Christ talk against the riches and wealth to a scandalous degree to his disciples. And I'd say that it's scandalous to us today when the rich young man comes up to him and, you know, I've done it all. I've got, I've I did the checklist. I've never, um, you know, done anything against the law. And Christ says, well, then go sell all that you have. But he was wealthy. And so he left, he couldn't do that, right? Because his possessions, his identity was, was attached to these possessions. And then again, the final thing I'm going to say, the church in her wisdom understands this as well, is that, avarice or greed is placed like on Thomas Aquinas list of, of the seven deadly sins, number two, lust being like number six. And, um, and we can see that very frequently throughout the church is that this idea of greed or avarice is always placed next to pride. Thomas Aquinas says that it is, uh, the root of all, um, sins. And, um, I actually have the quote here where he says, a covetousness or greed is the root of all sins because it's the immoderate desire for temporal possessions, which can be estimated in money. So it's that immoderate desire that we all can fall into, which is why it's so important to be aware of this, because if we're not aware of this, it will eventually be controlling us. So now's the time in the episode uh, where we get to talk about the question. But before we get there, if you liked what we talked about in that portion of the episode right now, head over and you want to hear more of it, catholicgentlemanplus.com. The full episode will be out there today. And before we get to the question for today's episode, we also have one of our close friends that is running a very cool event on homesteading. Uh, Jason Craig, who's a great man and a great friend of the Catholic Gentleman, is uh, running an event on November 11th. So Sam, if you want to share a little bit more about what's going on there at St. Joseph's Farm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, a lot of you listening to this episode might already have some of these ideas. You maybe have been reading some books on agrarianism and longing for a simple life uh, that's maybe not driven so much by money, uh, but is driven by other values. Uh, if so, and you've been longing for a little piece of land and some animals and some uh, a big garden, you know, there are some risks involved. It's not as simple as it seems. Homesteading can actually be incredibly challenging, uh, having been there and done that. Um, I know that there are a lot of pitfalls. Um, and Jason Craig is a master at this. He's been doing this for probably decades now. He uh, knows what he's talking about. And he's um, had a homestead for, for quite a while. And he's putting on at his St. Joseph homestead um, on, uh, let's see what the, the actual dates are, November 10th and 11th of this year. 
Uh, so coming up very, very quickly, um, he is doing a homesteading planning project at his St. Joseph farm. And you can fly out there. Basically, what he will do is he'll guide you through the process of coming up with a plan that won't fail. You won't buy, you know, 10 acres and then, you know, a year or two into it, realize this has been a disaster and try to sell it and lose a bunch of money. Like Jason Craig can guide you through that, help you prevent prevent uh, a bunch of the, the common pitfalls uh, and really get your plan together so that you can succeed in that lifestyle. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. So uh, the uh, link will be in the show notes there. You guys want to click on it and head over if you're around the area or if basically just discerning this is something that you're at, this event can be for you. It's going to help you decide is now the time or not. And maybe you just have so been disgusted by your own uh, temptations to greed and covetousness and the idea of just getting on the land is is for you. I get it. So um, head over there and check that out, see if that's right for you. So now we get to enter into one of my favorite parts of the episode, which is the question. Every single week, we're answering a question from a listener. If you have a burning question or just a question, uh, go ahead and send it to us at podcast at catholicgentleman.com. We are answering them live here on air, and we're so grateful. So today, um, I got uh, Billy, a project manager. He's the one who works behind the scenes here at Catholic Gentleman to record our question for us. So we're going to listen to that now. Today's question comes from a young man looking for your guidance. Unfortunately, my father is agnostic. I'm now 16 years old. What advice could you give me as I don't have a Catholic male role model? That is something I struggle with a lot. I believe many young teenagers suffer from the lack of Catholic fathers and role models. Awesome. So that is a great question. And it's something that I think is incredibly impressive that you at the age of 16 realize that and are asking it. So let me just commend you for reaching out to us with this question at such a young age. Very frequently, it's men in their 30s or 40s that are looking back, wondering why their life is the way they that it is, and then finding these father wounds within them. So the fact that you are at the age of 16 already discerning these things or preventing those possible things is incredibly impressive. So I'd like to turn to you, Devin, and get your thoughts on this and what this young man at the age of 16, whose father is an agnostic, who doesn't have, uh, we'll say the fullness of the truth, or basically striving for virtue perhaps himself, what that young man can do to find role models and to grow into the man that he knows God is calling him to be. Yeah, I totally agree that this is amazing at 16 years old that he's asking this question and that he's already found his way. If his dad isn't Catholic, he's found his way to being Catholic. And then not only that, but he wants to aspire to being a great Catholic man. So that's 50%, you know, right there. But I would say if there is a void in your life in authentic Catholic masculinity, first thing, so the intellect feeds everything. So I would find resources like the Catholic gentleman or good books that are talking about what it means to be a real man, what it means to be a, a spiritual father and start to dig in so that you can begin to shoot for that because you've got to break the chain, right? And I think, I don't know about, it seems like most of us here, we've had to break the chain. We've had to reforge a new chain. And so this is a common plight for many of us. And for me, it was diving in a lot of prayer, but also doing a lot of reading, finding those books, finding those resources, those men who were talking about this and carving my own path. 
for you at this age, you've got to really choose your friends wisely. Because when when we have an absence of a male role model, we are going to, this is a problem with gangs. Mm -hmm. You see this all the time is that these guys who are in gangs, they don't have a proper male role model. So they look to their peers who are actually, you know, delinquent, criminal for that validation, that affirmation. And then they run, they live their life according to being approved by them. So that's a, that's the second thing is besides be acquiring materials and reading and studying, you've got to get yourself around good guys. It's better to be alone for a while than to have negative impact, negative influence from negative friends. Okay. But this is what I would suggest. If you belong to a church, find out what the Bible studies are, find out what the men's groups are. And this is hilarious. We had guys do this at our father's St. Joseph group, very young guys who would attend. And the older guys are like, whoa, you know, and they love it because there's like this young blood. And it's so beautiful because you get the elderly guys who are talking about their mistakes, where they failed, where they blew it, but also how they succeeded. And then you have this young man who is fresh and he's learning all these valuable lessons from them. So I would highly encourage you to, to be brave enough to join a men's group a Bible study or a couple and do that. The other thing that's maybe a little bit off on this that I think is extremely important is get a manual labor job at some point, you know, whether it's with a landscaping company or under a contractor, but get some blue collar skills so that that way you don't have this feeling of inadequacy in this area as you grow up. Because for a lot of guys who don't have a father who's teaching them these things, um, that can be a real source of inadequacy because grace builds upon nature. So we want to mm -hmm. feel adequate in our nature because competence leads to confidence, right? But a word of warning though, and this, I, I don't know how this is going to come across, but just be careful as a young man, if you're around old, older men, make sure that they're good, moral, older men and that they're not going to take advantage of you. They're not going to try to use you, et cetera, because that exists in our culture. It's a reality. I'm sad. I even have to talk about it, but just have your radar up a little bit for that um, because you need to protect yourself. So I just think that it's a balance, you know, in the natural world, martial arts, landscaping, get your contracting, you know, hat on, but also make sure you're praying that you're seeking the father in heaven, developing a relationship with God, the father, reading these books, listen to this podcast you know, and then join those men's group, you know, and learn from the older guys. They'll love to have you there. Yeah. Thank you, Devin. Sam, what additional wisdom do you have? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure there's, there's too much to add. Um, but I would, I would add, uh, I guess just a couple things. Um, one would be take some time. Uh, you sound like a very, uh, serious and mature and, and holy young man. Take some time to think through who do I want to be in the next five years? That would take you to like 21, right? But think about five years from now, who do I want to be? What kind of job do I want to have? You know, again, this is an imaginative exercise, right? Like there's no wrong answers. But just think about like who what kind of job do I want to have? Where do I want to be professionally? What kind of friends do I want to have? Who do I want to be socially? You know, and then as a man myself, like individually, per personally, like what kind of man do I want to be? I want to strive to be a Catholic gentleman, you know, but what does that look like? What, is, what does that look like? And, and really think through that question, you know, and of course God can completely course correct and take you in a whole different direction. That's fine. This, this is not set in stone, 
but it just gets those wheels turning about uh, what the future might look like for you and what you like, let's say you say, I want to be, you know, yeah, I want to be a great salesman or I want to be like an athlete um, or maybe I want to be a wonderful musician or something like that. Well, that's really going to determine what kind of people you seek out to surround yourself with, the kind of mentors that you need um, to become that person. Um, so I would think through that a little bit. What kind of person do I want to be in five years? And maybe you can expand that out to like 10 years. Or do I want to be a husband? Do I want to be a father? Do I want to be a priest? Well, I'm going to be a religious, you know, like, and start thinking through those questions. Um, because again, imagination is incredibly powerful and it can fuel your will to move in a certain direction. Um, you know, but pray for the Holy Spirit's guidance. Um, there's an old saying, secular, it's not Catholic as far as I know. But when the student is ready, the master will appear. Um, and I think there's some truth in that, where it's like God brings people into our life at the right moment to guide us, to give us wisdom, to give us uh, direction in life. And be praying about that. Be praying for a wise mentor. Um, because, yeah, like Devin said, there's dangers out there. Not everyone's trustworthy just because of their age or, or whatever. Um, you know, there, there's some very old people who are very foolish, you know, yeah. um, and there's also some very young people who are very wise. Um, so just know that age isn't everything, but know that God can bring the right people into your life at the right time. I've seen that happen in my own life. Um, so just pray for that and then just be open and, and, and see what God might lead into your life. But I, I think prayer and just thinking through who you want to be in a few years can take you a long way. Yeah, thank you, Sam. Oh, Devin, please. Also, keep in mind that what you are doing now will have a massive ripple effect later and could bring about your own father's conversion. And that, I mean, that's that's basically what happened in my life. Um, I, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and my dad thought I was crazy. I was fasting, I was praying, I was going to all these Bible study groups and everything. And I think he thought I was a little bit wacky. And wouldn't you know it? years later, you know, he, he, when I was growing up, he wasn't even Catholic, you know, yeah. and then he ended up turning over his life to Jesus Christ. And so you have no idea the example and the power of that example that it will have on your own father and your own family. I mean, think of pure Giorgio Frasati, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, his parents were atheists, very wealthy atheists, and had no idea that he was sneaking out of their mansion to go to daily mass, uh, you know, every day, and had no idea that he was giving his allowance to feed the poor and to give them medicine. And it, at his funeral, it was very interesting because the streets were lined with people, and the 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 impoverished, the poor, they had no idea that Pierre Giorgio was an heir of the Frazzati house. And, and likewise, his parents had no idea that he was an heir of Christ. <laughs> and that is precisely what converted and brought his father back to the sacraments. So do not ever limit or put a limit on what you are doing right now. God can do anything with what you're doing. Yeah, amen. So I'm going to just jump in here. I want to affirm again this uh, desire to expand beyond, to grow and to improve in in life and in virtue in your role as uh, a masculine uh, man and hopefully father. I do say that 
fatherhood is for all men, whether you are um, single, whether you're a religious, you know, um, brother or priest, or whether you are married, right? That that fatherhood is is the goal that we are all striving towards. So to that end, I am going to send you Devin's book, The Show Us the Father, right? So the seven secrets to be a father on earth, like your father in heaven, I want to make sure that you have something. But I, I do also want to just um, say a couple things with the time we have left here is one is, Continue, continue to work and practice towards virtue, right? Those virtues of faith, hope, and charity are 100% total gifts from God, but we have to ask for them as men. We have to pray to increase in the gifts of faith, hope, and charity, those gifts that God wants to give us um, without end. And then we also have to grow in virtues. But at the same time, I also want you to avoid judging your father and his lack of virtues. Do your darndest to figure out which virtues he naturally has and is naturally displaying because that's going to, don't let that fester within you. That's really what I wanted to say is that don't let that um, that lack of, of virtue or that lack of guiding hand um, cause you to become bitter and cause you to become angered, right? That there's obviously a grace working in your heart and in your life right now that caused you to reach out to this question. So grab hold of that and affirm that. And I and then I encourage you to, in growing in the virtues here at the Catholic Gentleman, we talk a lot about that. We have to grow in all the virtues, right? And that just, um, you know, we have to understand what those virtues are. I didn't, well, definitely not when I was your age, definitely not in college. And so as we learn the importance of humility and we learn the importance importance of magnanimity and the importance of, of perseverance and fortitude and courage and all of these different things. We have to understand what those virtues are. And so still finding ways to learn about them and grow in those virtues are going to help you become a man that's aware of these things. And then the final thing that I'll just state is to pray to God to um, show you men to look up to, right? Uh, again, going back to what Devin was stating about being leery of those that come into your life, really talk to God. God the Father is going to be there guiding you and, and helping you out. So we're going to send you that book. I'm so excited that you sent us this uh, question. What a great question. I hope a lot of our listeners got uh, something out of it. Listeners who have been in a similar situation or are currently are. Yes, Sam. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I just I just wanted to end with like one encouragement and one caution. Um, one is encouragement is there's no such thing as too young. There's incredible saints who died as teenagers, you know, uh, who are in their early 20s, like, and show that holiness is possible no matter how young you are. Um, so just let no man despise your youth, as St. Paul told St. Timothy. Like, be serious. Don't be afraid. You know, you know your, other people your age might not understand, but just be you. Be You know, our culture is all about authenticity. Be yourself, blah, blah, blah. Well, okay. Well, be a saint. It's okay. Even if no one understands, you follow Christ. You follow Christ with all your heart. But the other, the, the one final word I want to leave with this is just um, persevere because it's not how you start. It's how you finish. You know, where are you going to be when you're 60 years old, 40 years old, 30 years old, persevere in this zeal and holiness that you feel now. Uh, and God will do great, great things for you. Um, but just know that, that there's going to be temptations. There's going to be challenges. The devil's going to try to derail you. So persevere, uh, stay faithful. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's going to be challenging, but also incredibly rewarding. Amen. So thank you for that question. They're a blessing for us to dialogue about them. We learn from each other here on this show, and we hope that uh, you got something out of it.
Hello, gentlemen. Sam Guzman, the founder of The Catholic Gentleman. As some of you know, I've spent the last four years on a journey to become a mental health counselor. Why? Well, there's a huge mental health crisis in the world today, and yes, even in the church. Men especially are suffering with rates of suicide, addiction, depression, anger, anxiety, and relational problems reaching unprecedented rates. Four years ago, I felt the call from God to launch out and help in a more concrete way. After graduating from Divine Mercy University, I began working full-time in the mental health field, and the 3,000 hours of supervised practice needed for my counseling license are nearly complete. In a providential twist, I expect to receive my counseling license on December 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Thanks be to God. Once I receive my license, I feel called to launch a private practice to begin helping as many as I can. But starting a private practice involves startup funds for things like office space, liability insurance, and more. But I'll be honest, the last few years of this career transition have been extremely difficult financially, and I need your help to get off the ground and get my private practice started. If you believe in supporting the work of Catholic Counseling, please consider supporting my GoFundMe to help launch my private practice. You'll find the link to the GoFundMe in the show notes. Please click through. Thank you for your support, and God bless you. So the final thing in every episode is putting on the new man. Uh, what is the challenge for this week? Well, today this episode's coming out on November 2nd. And so that's in the middle of the, uh, I guess, octave of of praying for the all souls in purgatory, um, or praying for all souls that are in purgatory. And you can go to a gravesite, and that's the challenge. Go to a gravesite at least one day between the dates of November 1st and November 8th here. And uh, stop by. It's going to take you five minutes, right? Pray for the souls in purgatory. Pray for um, the Pope and his intentions. Pray uh, to better grow in holiness yourself. And then obviously you need to be in the state of grace to gain a plenary indulgence for those souls in purgatory. So go to confession, make sure you receive the Eucharist. I think it's 20 days, um, within 20 days, you should be receiving the Eucharist more frequently and going to confession. But nevertheless, I think those are the rules. But um, that's the challenge, right? It's uh, go help get some souls out of purgatory. And uh, um, there's plenary indulgences. By the way, you can go to a gravesite and pray for the souls in purgatory anytime and receive a partial indulgence, uh, remission of uh, the temporal punishments due to sin. But if you pay, pray now through November 8th, you can gain a plenary indulgence for somebody else. And isn't that the generous way, right? That's what we're talking about in this episode is being generous. So thank you so very much for joining us on this episode. It's been a blessing to uh, dialogue with you, uh, Sam and Devin, and uh, praying for all of our listeners. And as we end each of our episodes. Be a man, be a saint. <laughs>